Uh, I tell you, it is so encouraging to uh, to listen to uh, Lucy uh, talk about serving at preteen young teen camp, uh, to see the video um, and, and to see many familiar faces and to see some of the um, some of the kids who were uh, in preteen young teen ministry years ago now serving as counselors. And uh, that that's just it, it just warms my heart to, to just see the way that um, you know God is is moving and working. And again, I want to thank uh, everyone that uh, has helped with the camps uh, this year. Um, uh, Laura Garrison uh, was the administrator. Um, the uh, monumental job. Uh, I know the Coopers um, were heavily involved in the planning of the team camp. And again, all of the volunteers um, who were counselors and, and, you know, took that week to be very uncomfortable in beds that uh, were not yours. And uh, that, that's uh, always a challenge. Uh, you know, tonight, uh, we're going to continue this message on transitions. And tonight is, is part two. How am I to respond to the transitions in my life? And as we said last week, everything that grows changes. You can't grow and not change. And everything that changes goes through stages of transition. And so the challenge with transitions, though, that we discussed last week is that we, we sometimes don't get to choose to go through them. And in a sense, they're, they're kind of forced on us. You know, when you finished eighth grade, uh, there was no debate about whether you were going to high school and to ninth grade. Um, you know, as we grow up, the transitions continue to happen in life. You know, maybe you go off to college and, and then you, you know, go from uh, high school to college and then college to the working world, or maybe you go into the working world and now you, you know, you're not in high school anymore. And, and, and now you got a boss or a supervisor and, you know, uh, you, you go through that transition, but those things in, in a sense happen to us. And in life, things are going to happen to us that you and I cannot control. Uh, we can't control life. We can't control people. And we can't control just about everything else. <laughs> you know, as a disciple of Jesus, you know, you can see people come and grow in their faith and walk with God. And those are some of the most exciting transitions to see. Then you see people leave the fellowship or stop attending. And, and let me just say, that is a painful experience when you have close relationships and there you know and then there's just no more connection no more talking and and you know when those transitions happen and and i know in my life i i just i try to stay connected and uh because you know i love my friends and and and, and i know that uh, many of us can can relate but you know that's that's a that's a different transition that again is kind of forced on us. But we can continue to be who we are 
despite other people's choices. Uh, I'd ask in preparation of this lesson to encourage people to, to read Genesis 37 through 50, um, because we're gonna look at the life of Joseph tonight and we're gonna take snippets from it. And so if you're visiting, it's okay, you know, you can read it later. Um, but um, this is an amazing story about transition. And, and as I said before, transition can be stressful. And, uh, you know, sometimes people respond to transitions in different ways. Some people complain and kick and scream all the way home. And it's just part of what you have to go through. You know, sometimes people blame God or they blame people and it's his fault, it's her fault. And, and, it, and it comes all the way back around ultimately to God. And um, again, it, it's not really helpful, but that's how sometimes uh, people respond. You know, sometimes during those transitions, you know, people can throw away their character, their morals, in an effort to escape what's going on, they compromise and decide, hey, you know what, this is not working for me, bag it, and, and just neglect responsibilities or neglect, um, you know, what uh, they've been given. And, um, you know, we come to this story of a teenager who's 17 years old, who I believe we can learn some amazing lessons from. And, you know, as I said before, Joseph would have never learned these lessons had this whole process happened. He stayed in that state of security and comfort and, and, and privilege. He would have never learned the things that God wanted him to learn. And so um, as we read this, I want you to think about how to respond in difficult transitions. How to respond in difficult transitions. And we'll start here in Genesis chapter 39. And let's read together. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's official, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And you know, brothers and sisters and friends, if you're visiting tonight, when you think about the Lord being with someone, you, you don't conclude or you think or associate God allowing someone to be hated and to be uh, sold into slavery. You know, Joseph is his father's favorite son. And, you know, that didn't sit well with his older brothers. And so what happened is 
they decide, hey, we're going to kill our brother. And it's like, wow, that, that's some serious feelings there. And so Joseph is on his way out to uh, tell his brothers something. They decide they're going to kill him. When he gets to them, they strip him of his clothes. They throw him in a cistern. And then they decide, you know what? Let's have some mercy on our brother. We're not going to kill him. Instead, let's sell him. And so they make up a story. They go home to their dad and they tell him, your favorite son, oh my gosh, we found this piece of clothing. Is this part of his jacket? It appears he was killed by a wild animal and he's dead. And I just stop and think, you know, let me tell you, your lies will find you out. <laughs> but, uh, and so they tell this lie, Joseph arrives in Egypt and he's sold to a man named Potiphar who happens to be the captain of the guard, one of Pharaoh's officials. And so again, we ask the question, how am I to respond when I find myself in this difficult situation? The Bible says that in verse two, that the Lord was with Joseph. And you know, when you stop and you think about that, when you think of God being with someone, you have thoughts of protection. You have thoughts of security. You have thoughts of peace and victory. And, you know, in our culture, sometimes we can think, well, that's how God is. But, you know, as we look at this scripture here, we see that God is working a little different than what we think. But, that, you know, in, in my version of this story, in my mind, it, it would read a little something like this. When Joseph came to his brothers, two of them came behind him and grabbed him. And then lightning came down from heaven and struck them dead. And a voice from heaven said, this is my chosen son. Now back off. That's my kind of Western American mindset of how the Lord is with someone. But as we see, God was with Joseph and uh, he'd been sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He's now in a faraway country where he doesn't speak the language. And he's a piece of property to a man named Potiphar. But the Bible says, yet yeah, God was with Joseph. You know, this tells me that not only is God with Joseph, but that God is, is working on Joseph because he wants to work through Joseph in this transition in life. And, and, and one of the lessons from this story is this, is that he, God, will walk with us through the transitions of life. He will walk with us through the transitions of life. And see, we got to remember that as we're going through the different transitions that we're facing, 
that God is going to work, to, to walk with us through it. He may not stop it and change it and what, because he's got something in mind as we uh, will continue to see. Let's look at verse seven, Genesis 39, verse seven. It says, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. And so imagine this young man being seduced by this married woman and she's initiating to have sex with him. And, you know, Joseph could have just decided, you know what? It's real easy to, to compromise right now. I mean, Lord, you've allowed this to happen to me. You've allowed this bad stuff to, to, to come into my life. Why should I obey you? Why, why should I remain faithful? Why should I continue to serve you? I was faithful at this time and faithful, and now this is all happening to me. But yet, Joseph didn't think that way. Let's keep going. Look at what happens. Verse 9. It says, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. That is amazing. See, later Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of rape and tells her master and he hears the story. And then in Verse 20, it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. See, there it is again. The Lord was with him. I mean, what did he do to get there? Why didn't, you know, something else happen and an innocent man is being put in the prison? Why is this happening? You know, wouldn't it have been more of a God thing that when she's trying to seduce him and she's, you know, pulling, pulling and, and, and tugging, the husband comes home and hears the conversation and then comes into the room and says, get out of here and then rewards joseph wouldn't that be more of a god thing but it didn't work out that way instead this man is thrown in the prison because of a lie here's my second lesson we cannot look at our circumstances and evaluate accurately whether God is at work in our lives. 
This is really important. See, because to look at our circumstances and to measure God's activity may give you and I a false reading. What do, what do I mean by that? Things may be great in our life and, and God may not be involved with it. He may not be a part of it. Satan could actually be setting you up for a big fall and feeding your pride or feeding your, your, your selfishness. Things may be terrible and God may be right in the middle of it. And so to look at our circumstances and measure God's faithfulness or God's activity or God's presence and decide whether he is really on our side or not gives you and I an inaccurate reading. See, Joseph decided that he would trust in God. And the Bible says, while he was in prison, the Lord was with him. Let's keep reading. In prison, with him was a cupbearer who had gotten into some trouble with the Pharaoh. And a man who happens to be very, very close to the, uh, to, to, to the Pharaoh uh, was, was in prison. And so Joseph meets the cupbearer in prison. He interprets a dream for him and tells him, hey, this is what's going to happen. And when you get out and when you are restored, remember me. Get me out of this, out of this uh, dungeon. So in Genesis chapter 40, verse 20, it says, now the third day was the Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in the Pharaoh's hands. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. I mean, can you, can, can you believe that? After reaching out, after uh, helping this man, the cupbearer forgot him. And the Bible says it was for two years. You know, as you read this story, you, you know, you kind of feel bad for Joseph because it's just not working out for him. And here's this great guy who's now going through these terrible situations. But yet God is with him. I know if it was me, um, I, 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 I'd want, first off, to not be going through all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, Lord, uh, bail me out. I, I, I don't want you to walk with me through this. I want you to take me out of this. But, you know, that's not how God works. Sometimes we want to be delivered and not walked with through. 
And this story teaches me that God wants to walk with me through difficulties, uh, through, through difficult transitions in life. And, you know, if this story was written about your life, it might sound something like this. She was a faithful wife and devoted mother and received the news from her husband that he was leaving her for another woman and not coming back. And the Lord was with her. He was told that his position was being deleted and ended up having to sell his house and move in with his relatives to take care of his family. And the Lord was with him. They had spent thousands of dollars trying to get pregnant, but it did not happen. And the Lord was with him. She had served the Lord for over 35 years and yet did not see any prospective suitors. And the Lord was with her. He had served the Lord, sacrificed for others, given financially for years and found out later in life that he had an incur incurable disease and the Lord was with him. You see, that's our God. That may be some of our stories. And we have to continue to remember that God wants to walk with us through these challenging, difficult transitions in life. You know, I, I wrote a couple passages here that made me think about this lesson and think about Joseph and, you know, think about in, in, in the, the New Testament, how the Bible says, and, and Paul wrote this, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. You know, Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. See, Joseph did what anyone would do who knew that God was with him. Now, I know those passages that I just read were written way after this time, but Joseph had this mindset. He accepted whatever came his way 
with faith, believing that God was with him through the challenges that he faced and that he would behave like somebody who believed that God was with him. He didn't try to escape. He didn't try to manipulate and change the situation. Nope. His third lesson, he acted in that environment as if he knew that God was with him. All right, let's keep going here. So the story continues. And now Joseph is out of prison. He's now second in command. And he is guiding the nation of Egypt through a famine. And as things uh, progressed and got worse for, for the country and the surrounding areas, his brothers come to Egypt to get grain. And, you know, he gives them a test over in chapter 44. And then it says that he reveals himself to his brothers. And you got to imagine that moment where they thought he was dead, but indeed he was alive. And not only was he alive, he was large and in charge. And I could only imagine the fear and, and, and just shock that they experienced. And so Joseph's like, hey guys, it's okay. Go back home, get dad, bring him home, bring, bring him to, uh, to me. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna take care of dad. And, and this is just going to all work out. Well, they do that. They come back. And then Joseph's father dies. And now the brothers are terrified. And they want Joseph to read this letter that their father, quote unquote, wrote. But I don't think he wrote it. <laughs> I think they may have made that up. And uh, I want to read this passage in Genesis 50 verse 15, and, and wrap this up, because Joseph had a perspective that I think we have got to continue to, to grasp if we're going to learn how to respond in, in, uh, in times of transition. It says in Genesis 50, verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. You know, when I read that, people don't weep because they're, they're, they're angry. He wept because I think these men have been carrying this around for a long time. And um, he, he um, was, you know, trying to help them get over it, you know, and, 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 and move on. And um, just broke his heart. 
And so you don't weep because you're bitter and angry. You, you weep because of sadness. And, I, and I'm thinking, wow, man, you, you carried this for years. And, and now you think I'm going to act like you? Um, obviously, they, they didn't really know who their brother was. Verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Here we go. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You know, brothers and sisters, this man had a perspective that I, I wish I could always have. That if God is with me, then I've realized nothing touches my life without passing through his hands of his grace and mercy. Nothing touches me without God in some ways, allowing it to happen. So Joseph was able to see their jealousy and, and their slavery, the injustice, all coming as a part of God's plan to put him where he was. And see, that perspective almost sounds crazy. <laughs> But when God is with you and you understand it, you have a different perspective. He says, you meant to harm me. God meant it to benefit me. Therefore, God wins. See, Joseph didn't sound bitter to me. He didn't sound angry or discouraged. And it's because that perspective that he had. God, I accept this as coming from your hands. I don't like it. It's not comfortable. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. And so he tells his brothers, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not, I'm not going to treat you the way that you probably should be treated. No, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to be kind I'm going to help take care of you and I'm going to help take care of my and your of your family because I've experienced being taken care of by my God. Isn't that unbelievable? You know, some of us are saying, yeah, Russ, it's unbelievable because you don't know how I've been treated. You, you don't know what. I'm going through, you, you don't understand. And you, you know what? You are absolutely right. I do not. I do not. But the point of tonight's lesson is to learn from someone who went through some incredible challenges and for us to gain insight on how we can grow. I believe that if we learn to maintain and respond to the transitions of life, that we are facing, 
personally and church we are definitely facing transition as a church and so if we can learn to respond in a right way that god is with us that god is working that god is working on us and he's working through us because he's got a plan but you know when you say God is with you. You know, what, what does that mean? You know, in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, the Bible says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to his son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you go back to the end of Matthew 28, a scripture that we are all familiar with, but that last part, Matthew 28, verse 20, and Jesus says this to his disciples, and he says this to us, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I got some good news from you tonight. I got some good news for us because we're all in transition. You want to hear, here's the good news. God is with you. God is with me. And if you and I think that God is with me, but why am I going through these circumstances? And why is it not different? Then again, we got to read the story again. God wants to walk with us through the transitions because he's trying to help us personally and he wants to work through us collectively as well. God says, I'm with you. I'm working in you. I'm working through you. And I know these are challenging times, but I want you to be confident that I am with you. And despite the challenges that you're facing, I'm right here. I've not gone anywhere. So keep looking to me. Don't look around. Don't look down. But keep looking up. Because he has plans to prosper us, not to harm us, but give us hope and a future. Let's bow our heads and pray. And uh, we'll be done. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you again for this time tonight. Thank you for uh, this lesson on Joseph. And God, I pray that you help us have that mentality that he had to accept what comes up and what comes our way, but with faith. And that we would act like people who know that you are with us and that we would have a different attitude because we know that you are with us. God, I know that we're going through challenging times. We've gone through incredibly challenging things in life, but I pray that you help us continue to rely and depend on you because you are faithful and you will never leave us nor will you forsake us. 
Thank you again for this time tonight. And again, I pray that you help us to depend and rely on you. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.